When it comes to weight loss, no two people are the same. That's why Noom builds personalized plans based on your unique psychology and biology. Take Brittany. After years of unsustainable diets, Noom helped her lose 20 pounds and keep it off. I was definitely in a yo-yo cycle for years of just losing weight, gaining weight, and it was exhausting. And Stephanie. She's a former D1 athlete who knew she couldn't out-train her diet, and she lost 38 pounds. My relationship to food before Noom was never consistent. And Evan, he can't stand salads, but he still lost 50 pounds with Noom. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. Even through the pickiness, Noom taught me that building better habits builds a healthier lifestyle. I'm not doing this to get to a number. I'm doing this to feel better. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom users compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. It's a Wednesday get-together here on Birds 365. We're doing a whole bunch of counting up, counting down. We're counting down to the draft. We're counting down to the first Sunday of the year. We're counting up day two of year two of Mac and Mac here on Birds 365. However, the uh, odometer says uh, we're good to be talking Eagles with you for the next two hours. Johnny Mac got a chance to meet Kazir White yesterday. He did what every Philadelphia athlete has to do when he first comes Mm. to town, suck up to Philadelphia. It is the biggest piece of advice I could give to any (laughs) new player coming to town. When in doubt, suck up to Philadelphia. It will start your career off on the right foot. And Kazir White did a pretty damn good job of it yesterday. Yeah, he did. Uh, he knows he's from an hour up the road, essentially, in McCungie, just outside of Allentown. So he he knows. He was an Eagles fan growing up. He used to go to training camp at Lehigh. So he, he, he knows the drill. He's going to be smart when it comes to that aspect. And you're right. I mean, it's a Philly guy, Jody. He's a Philly guy now. We'll see. I mean, is, it, is he a Philly guy on the field? Probably not because, you know, it's an undersized linebacker. It's a new era of football, and everybody still wants to go back to the Buddy Ryan, Jim Johnson days where people are knocking your socks off and the Seth Juniors of the world are out there. It's not like that in the NFL. So this is a a modern linebacker. I'm not sure if that's a fit for Philadelphia, but he understands the mentality. He understands the the sentiment of the fan base because he grew up in it, and you know, he was at the Snow Bowl. He, he wanted to always be an Eagle. So here it is, and it works out. And, you know, the Whites got a pretty impressive uh, 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 path to West Virginia and then the NFL, third uh, of the White brothers uh, to make it to the NFL. And Kevin's probably the most famed. He was a top 10 overall pick, never lived up to the Billy. Say, but- yeah, he- his draft but, day, his draft day uh, status was the highlight of his NFL yeah. career, as a matter of fact. He's still in the NFL, but number seven overall pick uh, overall for the Chicago Bears. So, yeah, uh, three white brothers go from uh, Emmaus High School uh, to Lackawanna Junior College, then to West Virginia, then the NFL. More power to them, and when the announcement came down that they had signed him, I remember him playing. I remember playing last year against Eagles, making some plays. As a matter of fact, I remember when he was drafted. I always liked the kid. Thought he was a player. 
uh, kudos to the Chargers because they took him from being a safety and made him into a linebacker. Uh, kudos to the young man as well because he put on about 20 pounds of muscle over the course of the next couple of years before he hit free agency. Um, yes, you know, I uh, stood on top of the table and said uh, that Hassan was the number one guy that the Eagles had to make a play for during this offseason, and they did, and they got him. But this is easily my second favorite signing uh, for them this offseason. And yes, even if he's not a Buddy Ryan-type linebacker, they are going to play football in 2022, and the game has changed and I think he's going to be a perfect fit for what Jonathan Gannon wants to run. Oh, out. I agree. It makes a lot of sense. They've been trying to do this for years with Nate Gary first, uh, who was a safety at Nebraska. They tried to turn him into a linebacker. And other than Ken uh, Plajol raving about his instincts, you know, he, he never took to the to position, certainly in run support. Um, Jacoby Stevens, they tried to do it last year uh, from LSU was a safety and they tried to move him to linebacker, and he's still here, and that's still a work in progress, and who knows, that might work out in the end. But they've had this idea for a while to get this type of player, and now they have one that's ready-made. You already know can do it to a certain level, um, at least. And, you know, let's be honest, pass coverage is more important. I don't know how many times I've said this spring, nobody cares about the running game. Nobody cares about it offensively at this time of year. Nobody cares about it defensively even less. Um, Now they'll care about it come September, even more in December. And that's where, you know, the rubber hits the road, so to speak, Jody, and you evaluate the player, but he's already done it. So, you know, he can do it to a capable NFL level and hopefully he keeps getting better and better because he's that, 26-year-old guy fresh off his rookie contract that still has plenty of room to both grow and continue to play at a high level for at least two, three, four years. So, um, you know, this is where the Eagles made their hay on the good free agent signings. If you think about Brandon Brooks off his rookie deal, young guy with some upside. Malcolm Jenkins off his rookie deal at the time. Young guy with some upside. Rodney McLeod off his rookie deal. You know, this is this is where you have a chance to bring in players that can help you for an extended period. Two things. Um, just give me your, your eyeball read on them because the numbers are what the numbers are when it comes to size and height and weight and those guys that you mentioned, Nate Gary's of the world and uh, their uh, <laughs> draft pick out of LSU last year. He just looks a little bigger than me. I know he played safety, but yesterday, and again, it's on Zoom. Uh, did you go over there yesterday? Did you yeah. just do the Zoom thing? You went. Okay, so you got a real good look at him. He looks more like a linebacker. He seems to me, just with the naked eye, to be built more like a linebacker. Now, sometimes looks can be deceiving, but did you get that feeling yesterday? Um, No, I mean, he's, you know, he's... He's not as big as Nate, I'll tell you that. Uh, Nate really uh, pumped up, uh, and, you know, he, he ended up being 230, low 230s. Uh, Kaiser's probably about 218, play somewhere. You hope he plays somewhere at 220. No, he's not big. I mean, you know, he's 6'1". Uh, he's a modern linebacker. He's not um, He's not T.J. Edwards. You know, T.J.'s okay. a big guy. Um uh, 242 pounds, but that's what they want. That's what they're looking for. 
Um, and um, he can cover and he can do it naturally. And he talked about his brothers who are both four, three, four, four guys as receivers. Um, and that's where he sort of gained his confidence. He's like, I had to deal with my brothers growing up covering them. I, he's not scared of even the George Kittles and the Travis Kelsey's of the world because they can't run like his brothers. So he's, he's got this confidence about him when it comes to his coverage ability. And, you know, that's, that's his first job. That's his first job. And then you hope, you hope he's capable in run support. That's sort of what everybody's looking for. Nobody expects Dick Budkiss when they make these kinds of moves with, you know, safeties, I like to call them king size safeties and you turn them into linebackers. You're not expecting Dick Buckus. You just want capable, sort of like Malcolm Jenkins. Like Malcolm could play linebacker and he was capable. Not, you know, he's not going to be shedding, shedding blocks and, you know, doing those types of things. But he, he didn't, you know, he's not going to embarrass you. That's, that's what they're looking at in the, in the run support part of it. I think I think White's going to be a big contributor in in both ways this upcoming season, and uh, that's why it makes it one of my favorite signings by the Eagles during this off season. Um, and you're right; he's not as big as as T.J. Edwards, but I want to draw an Edwards comparison uh, because he got off to such a good start. He replaced Singleton as uh, the main middle linebacker for the Eagles last year and was putting up numbers week in and week out. And, yes, I suggested here on Bird 365, listen, this is going down Howie Roseman's road. These are the type of players that he likes to get extensions done with, guys who have established themselves as the Eagles. They aren't out in the market yet for free agency. Eagles get a little uh, proactive and get them under contract for future seasons. And within two weeks, Eagles had announced a contract extension with uh, Edwards. So uh, I, I kind of saw that one coming. So I'll ask you the same question here. One of the things that White said yesterday was, I'd like to finish my career as a Philadelphia Eagle. Sounded like he may have had other offers that were certainly the equivalent and maybe even slightly more, but he wanted to come home. He wanted to be a Philadelphia Eagle. He grew up here, went to the snowball game, uh, was an Eagle fan. Is this a guy who a handful of games, maybe even a half a season in, the Eagles will look to do a contract extension with? It's possible if he plays really well. Uh, they've done that in the past. You know, Tim Jernigan would be an example. Those one-year guys, um, you know, if they really start playing well, um, yeah, they might get uh, ahead of the game. That's what, as you mentioned, how he likes to do. And it's generally a good idea. Um and what we've been talking about for a couple of weeks, there's kind of two camps, you know, and he does a good, good, good job with the valuation and then the evaluation of the player. Well, sometimes that hits and sometimes that misses. And in the case of Tim, Tim Jernigan, he was playing great. And then he just got hurt. Um, and, and that's the risk you run. But I mean, that's NFL. I mean, that's if anybody can get hurt. I mean, Tim got hurt in the gym. I, you know, he didn't get hurt on the field. Um, so it, it, it's, you, you can't say, oh, I hope you say, you can't, you know, do your business that way. You just have to say, okay, this guy's playing well, let's get him done. Let's, let's get him a little bit cheaper than he's going to be. If he hits the market, you know, the kind of luxury you have with, 
with Kaiser White is the position he plays and, you know, the NFL doesn't value it right now. And he's, he's coming off a good year. He's coming off a darn good year. 144 tackles, made a bunch of plays, showed he could do exactly what I said. He's good in coverage. He's capable in run support. And, it, you know, he, his contract is what his contract is. I, I, I mean, and, you know, he kind of steered away from – you know, did you have other offers? I'm sure he did. Um, you know, how close were you to going back to the Chargers, which I, I don't think he was close to that. Um, but he steered away from that kind of stuff because he's more in the Steve Nelson camp. Where he's like, what what do I have to do to get these people to pay me like a starter in the NFL? And I don't know if he can do it. So they have some kind of luxury because he's always going to have that stigma over his head. Well, he's not a real linebacker, and we don't pay linebackers anyway. So I, I think the Eagles are in a good situation. You know, if he plays well, I'm not saying they, they're not going to extend him. If he plays well, they might give him two years at a really nice number just to, you know, put it behind them. Um, but I don't think they have to worry about it that much. That's one of the luxuries of, of, of a player like that. Whereas right. we see the wide receiver market again with Stephon Diggs this morning before we get on the air, exploding, exploding. Everybody's getting 65, 70 million guaranteed. And, you know, you start to wonder, do you want to get into this business uh, at the wide receiver business at that price? I, I don't know. I understand the hesitancy. I will say that. Right, but uh, or do you want to win Super Bowls? That's what the question comes down to because the top teams seem to have the top-paid wide receivers, uh, and you can talk all you want about the linebacker not being valued in the National Football League. We can't have it both ways. Hey, we'll get the linebackers cheap because the league doesn't believe in paying linebackers. Yeah. Oh, but the league does believe in paying wide receivers. Well, we don't really want to do that. Well, w- which way do you run your business? Well, I agree. I, with the rest of the National Football League, you go, no, no, uh, everyone else is wrong, and we as the Philadelphia Eagles it, are It's right. the precedent that they set. I said it yesterday. They set the precedent with dead money. Other people have set the precedent. You can either play the game or don't play the game. I agree with you. Right now, they're not playing the game. If they want a wide receiver of that level, and people talk about DK Metcalf. Look, I think people overrate DK Metcalf and A.J. Brown. I think they'd be huge upgrades for this particular team. But let's look at the wide receivers that got paid. They're not as good as Devontae Adams, no. Tyree Kill, Stephon Diggs. Those guys are good. That Those guys are, are, are good, well-rounded, dominant receivers. And don't get me wrong, DK and AJ are really good players, but they're going to get over. That's where you start to get in the – you got to be really, really careful. Because even – I look at Adams – and I say to myself, well, that's the best receiver in football. And if he's not the best, you know, okay, you can argue, you, you can argue Cooper Cup last year. But to me, he's the best, most well-rounded receiver in football. I still think he's going to be a little bit of a disappointment for Las Vegas because of the expectations and because he doesn't have Aaron Rodgers and they're just not going to be as successful. Same thing with Tyreek Hill. Just maybe the most maybe the scariest offensive weapon in the NFL um, in Kansas city. It's not going to be that way in Miami. 
I mean, you know, hopefully Tua can turn it around and turn it into a star. He's not Patrick Mahomes. It's not going to be that way. Now, Diggs is a little bit different because he's great receiver. He's got a great quarterback. You've already seen it. I'm probably most comfortable with Buffalo because we, you know, it's in place. Everything is is there. Um, so I don't have as 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 much of an issue there uh, because Josh Allen. You have both sides of the equation. You have the guy you can get him the football. You have the guy who runs maybe the best routes in the NFL and is proven year after year after year. Um, you know, and 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 then there's some cons- – those are good players. Those are really good players. D.K. Metcalf, um, A.J. Brown, Debo Samuel. You know, you know the one I would trust the most coming up, Jody? Terry McLaurin. And you know why? Because he's produced with dreck at throwing to him. And he still manages to do a really, really good job. That, to me, would be the safest if I'm going to give a boatload of money to people. Um, but it, it, it's a difficult it's a difficult position to pay that much money for me if I were a GM because you're reliant on somebody else before you can do your job. You you oh, need the vehicle to get them the football. You can say that, John, and it would be accurate. However, the market has been set, and you can stomp your feet and say that this is wrong and uh, we're not going to be motivated. By, uh, okay, well, then you're not going to get players. If you're talking about well, that agents, part, I agree with. Yeah, I mean, it is, it is. The market is the market. You either get involved or you don't. Right. Yeah. And I think it's a market you have to get involved in. And it's funny you brought up uh, Terry McLaurin because uh, Jeff Lurie did too. Just another guy that the Eagles didn't take because they had already taken J.J. Arcega Whiteside. Oops. Ouch. That's rubbing salt in the wounds. Uh, and the fact that he's doing it in division and twice a year against the Eagles makes it that much more painful. And uh, you, you, people are going to get tired of listening to this here on Birds 365. Again, just another reason why the Eagles missed on Devonta Parker. Because he checks the boxes. Veteran wide receiver the, the Eagles need. Check. Under contract for an inexpensive number as compared to these 25, 26, 27 million per $70 million guaranteed deals that are being signed by other wide receivers. Better than Devontae Parker. I'm not trying to say Devontae Parker is the equivalent of the Tyreek Hills and the Stefan Diggs and the uh, Devontae Adams of the world. No, I'm not saying that, but you look at the drop-off from the money to the drop-off of the production. Oh, the drop-off of the money is significantly more. $6 million per, so that's a check. For multiple years. He's still got two years to go on his contract. It's not just a one-year deal because the Eagles don't seem to be doing all that much for improving just for 2022. That's another check. And, oh, by the way, uh, he can just upgrade your wide receiver position right now by showing up and putting on a pair of shoulder pads. Check. And he well, I would, I would, I oh, would oh, agree. I, I, I'm sorry. I, I left out. And it didn't cost diddly. It all, all it cost was a move up of two well, rounds think, of a draft pick. You didn't even round. have to give up a draft pick to get him. You just had to give up positioning in the draft. That's a check. The Eagles massively missed out on Devontae Parker. I have to look. I, I think they gave it. Didn't they give up a third round pick, a future third round pick, and move spaces? 
I think, no, I think it was just the. It I'll, was have to, just, I'll, I'll have to double check in the break, but there are a couple three boxes for the player and a five. If if you're probably right, uh, either way, uh, you missed a couple boxes. One would be age, and one would be injury history. So there's a couple boxes. I agree. It checks all those boxes. Look, Jimmy Kemsky is going to be on after the break. He's he's an upgraded receiver with his length and his size. He's an upgraded uh, 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 at receiver for this freaking team. Everybody's an upgrade. Everybody is an upgrade. So yeah, Devontae Parker's an upgrade, but I you know there are there are some age concerns. He's twenty nine. There are some injury concerns. He's only had one one thousand yard season. There are some production concerns. I don't have a problem with the Eagles for passing on Devontae Parker. The problem is they, they can't get anybody. Problem. They can't get anybody. And they, right. they, they and, haven't and been until able they to do, get... I'm going to harp on Devontae Parker. Well, Zach. He checked more boxes than anybody else who's moved this offseason. Well, they, you, you know, he checks more boxes than Zach Pascal. I'll give you that. Exactly but, right. But I don't know if he checks all the right boxes. I'll say that. Oh, okay. I, I don't have a problem with the Eagles passing on Devontae Parker in a vacuum. As I said, overall, we got to get you out of the vacuum, Johnny Mac, and into well, the world yeah, but of reality. I, but I, I think it's valuable to be disciplined. If you don't like a player, if you don't think a player is a fit, just because you missed out on players that are fits, you shouldn't reach for that particular player. Okay, then, then here's my problem with the Eagles. I don't like their evaluation. Well, I think fair. the guy can play, and they don't. Shame on them for that when their wide receiver room is what their wide receiver room is. Plain and simple. All right, uh, yes, the uh, aforementioned and good target size, Jimmy Kemsky is going to join us next here on Birds 365. Imagine for a moment that you went to work today, and when you came home, you were catastrophically injured. Your life and your family's life. That's what happened to union construction worker Mike Little. I was scared of what the end was going to be, but to be 100% honest with you, I knew I was going to be all right just by talking with Brian in my heart. I just knew everything was going to be all right. Call the firm and find out why they say, we got this. Call 215-458-2222. At Stateside Vodka, every new customer gets the world's best rocks glass. Free. What's that? Uh, a rocks glass? You're telling me that bottle is cut in half? You could say that. Holy shit. And you're telling me I can get one of these glasses for free? That's right. One free rocks glass per customer with each first-time purchase of Stateside Vodka. So good, it just disappears.
field of life, First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. Go for the midnight dares. Go for the memories. Go for the view that goes on forever. Go for the bubbles in your bathtub and in your drink. Go to bed whenever you want. Or don't. Go for him. Go for her. Go for the wind. Go to Ocean Casino Resort. Book your trip at theoceanac.com. Got a midweek edition of Birds 365 here on the Jacob Media YouTube channel. The Macamac guys joined by a fellow member of the Marlton Mafia, as Jimmy Kemp, as uh, John McMullen just put, a guy the Eagles could use as an upgrade at wide receiver. Uh, we get upgraded every time we read them at phillyvoice.com. Jimmy Kemsky. How you been, JK? I'm good. Well, at least the Eagles wouldn't waste any targets on me like they did for Jalen Rager last year. <laughs> Uh, didn't know you so might in that there. sense. In that sense, I would help the offense, maybe. Yeah. Well, you could seal the edge, Jimmy. You got <laughs> you got enough length to get out there and seal the edge. So when we talk about receivers with blocking skills, you know you're in trouble. But you've heard that plenty of times in Philadelphia, <laughs> right? So let's start. You you heard us there talking about Devonte Parker. It doesn't seem like the Eagles had much interest, and they've had interest in a bunch of receivers this offseason. They haven't been able to get. Um, you think it's an issue or you think they should have made more of a play? For, so you look at the some... receivers they did have interest in. You're looking at Calvin Ridley, of course, uh, Christian Kirk, uh, Robert Woods, and Allen Robinson. In my opinion, all four of those guys are better than Devontae Parker. So in my mind, I think it's actually not not such, not such the worst thing for them to settle on a guy like Devontae Parker. Like I think Devontae Parker is okay, and he's certainly better than what the Eagles have. Uh, beyond Devontae Smith and, I mean, even arguably Quez Watkins is is a more valuable player to the Eagles than a guy like Devontae Parker. Um, but I don't think, uh, you know, they necessarily want to settle on a guy like him. Um, I mean, he had the one really, really good year, particularly the year where he had the game against the Eagles where he absolutely destroyed. Yeah, yeah. I think it was Ronald Darby. He just yeah. kept mossing him all game. <laughs> but that, that, the 20, 2019, I think it was. Um I mean, he had a phenomenal game that day, and he had a he had a really good year that year, and then he got paid, and uh, his production's kind of fallen off since then, and he wasn't really productive prior to that year, so he just kind of has that one outlier year. And, and again, he's he's big and he's tall and he's fast and all that, but for whatever reason, it just hasn't translated to production consistently. Can you tell me the twelve hundred yard season that uh, <laughs> the the former Arizona. A receiver who's now getting paid what eighty some odd million dollars has had. If we're if we're talking about those guys are better than him, we're talking about projection, not actually done on the field, right? Christian Kirk, did I miss his twelve hundred yard season? <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't know that uh, I'd have paid Christian Kirk anywhere close to what the Jaguars did. I mean, that's a crazy contract that he got eighteen million. I think it was. Uh, there was a report that he yeah. would have paid up to thirteen or something like that. Yeah. Uh, but I mean, he's at least been a little bit more consistent. Like he's been in the seven eight hundred range, nine hundred somewhere in that in that ballpark. Like every year of his career so far. So I can at least get that. There's you kind of know what you're getting at least. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't think Christian Kirk is is necessarily uh, uh, you know would have 
solved all the Eagles problems at wide receiver either. Yeah. And Jody, that's the key. I mean, we just thought nobody knew who Brandon, Brandon Brooks was a good player in Houston, but nobody knew he turned into the, you know, best guard in football at times here. You look at Malcolm Jenkins, you know, he's a corner and turned into safety in New Orleans was a good player came here, turned into a pro bowl player. So that, yeah, that evaluation is part of it. And that's what the Eagles did with Kaiser White, who got introduced. Yes, that's a guy coming off his rookie deal that you hope you evaluate correctly and they can get better. Parker, as you mentioned, Jimmy, you know, he's 29. He's on his second deal. And it, it's been seven seasons. Um, that's a pretty good indication of what type of player he was. And Right here, it would be the number two receiver. I, I, I'm I, not as high on Quez Watkins as mm. other people. Um, but I noticed after the big trade, and well done, you got your latest Eagles-only mock draft up there. <laughs> uh-huh. And you want wide receiver. Are they going to just have to go bite the bullet and go wide receiver again in the draft because they haven't been able to get what they want to get at the position? Yeah, I mean, you look at the contracts that receivers got in free agency, like Kirk and others, uh, but then also these top-tier wide receivers are getting insane money, Yeah, like Tyreek Hill and Devontae Adams, and then this morning, of course, uh, Stephon Diggs gets paid by the Bills. So um, if you do trade for a guy, like, say, DK Metcalf, for example— that guy's going to cost every bit as much as these other guys that just got paid uh, this insane money. So if I'm the Eagles, I just draft one because there's going to be a good one available at 15, whether you're talking about Garrett Wilson or Chris Olave or Traylon Burks or Jamison Williams, there's going to be somebody there that's good. That's worthy of that 15th overall pick. And then maybe you just hope that over the next three, four years, this insane, you know, uh, wide receiver market in terms of money calms down a bit. And that guy doesn't cost you an arm and a leg if he turns out to be good, you know, three, four years from now. And it doesn't usually go backwards in the NFL unless we're looking at another pandemic. The numbers just continue to go up and up and up and up and up. Uh, And aside, then I'll get back to the Eagles. At what point does Cooper Cup stand up and go, whoa, 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 timeout Hollywood. (laughs) All these guys are getting these new deals. And I just had one of the best wide receiver seasons in the history of the, when is my deal getting redone? When am I getting 30 million per? I can't oh, believe I, it I imagine that'll yet. happen soon. Yeah, I don't know how many how many years is he in the league now? He's he's got to be eligible for for a new. Yeah, right? it's coming he's, up. This yeah. would be yeah. It's he might he might be. I think the next group is the guys he kind of mentioned: DK, AJ yeah. Brown, uh, Terry McLaurin, and Debo. And I think he would be right after that. Those guys got to be fired up seeing yeah. all these uh, major contracts being thrown wide, around through wide receivers. But well, yeah, the all, Chiefs, all the... yeah, the Chiefs thought they had a deal with Tyreek Hill, and then all of a sudden Devontae Adams happened, and he's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> right. right. Let's, let's revisit this, and then two days later he's in Miami. That's yeah. how quickly yeah. these things happen. A deal it's... is not a deal till it's actually done. All right, uh, uh, John mentioned your mock, and he had, you had the Eagles taking a wide receiver, uh, Wilson, at number 15. Mm. Jimmy? I hope you're right. I'm a big N'Kobe Dean fan. I just flat out love the player. But the Eagles did sign Kazir White, and they have the history that they have of not taking a linebacker in mm-hmm. the first round since the 70s. So we, we are swimming upstream a little bit here. Why do you think this year is going to be different? 
Well, uh, I'll start by saying that this was this will be the last one that I do until like the week of the draft. Um, and it was version five. So I never repeat players in any of these. So oh, okay. like by the, t- <laughs> by the time like I, I have all new I have a whole new set of players in every single one that I do. So I never repeat anyone. Because what's the value in that? Like, I think part of the... So part, when part does of, the official one come out? <laughs> the day before the draft? That's the one. Here, yeah, I really mean it this time, guys. Yeah, typically. Yeah, yeah. That's the one that I really okay. mean. But uh, so, I mean, I think part of the fun of the mock draft, um, you know, of reading them is learning about the players themselves and who might be a fit. So by the time I get to version like five, they're, you know, some of my more likely prospects that they'll take are already gone. Uh, but I do think there is a possibility that they, they could take a linebacker, whether that's Devin Lloyd or Nicobe Dean or someone else that has a like Quay, Quay um, uh, Walker from Georgia is another guy who's kind of like his whose boost is kind of or whose stock has been sort of uh, rising as, as we as we're getting closer to the draft. I don't think it's uh, out of the question that they draft a linebacker. I mean, you look at they, they sign Kaiser White. I imagine he'll start in 2022. Um, he's only on a one-year deal, so it's not like he's a long-term option. Uh, they have to still see if he can play within their scheme. I think they like TJ Edwards. I don't think anyone thinks TJ Edwards is a three-down three down linebacker, though, so they still have a severe need at that linebacker position. The questions with N'Kobe Dean in particular are that he's small. I mean, he's 5'11", and he didn't work out either at the Combine or uh, Georgia's Pro Day. Uh, he's still nursing a, a pectoral strain, I think it is. So um, there are some questions there. I think the NFL values those uh, testing measurables at the combine and the pro days less than people like me and you and the and the fans and such because they have what we don't have, which is GPS data that they can from like yeah. actual games where they can see how fast guys are running on the field and, and stuff like that. So they have access to that and we don't, it'd be nice if we did, but we don't. So, uh, so the, the, they have all the athletic, um, you know, measurable testings on, on him that, that I, I assume that they need. Uh, but he's a guy that's known as like a, a great leader, uh, sort of like a, a bulldog. And I mean, not the, I mean, that, that's their name, I guess, but, but like in the middle of, of a national championship star studded defense, he was sort of the heart and soul of that defense. And, um, you know, I don't know that uh, he's, I, I would take him like I would have no problem taking him uh, or, or Devin Lloyd at that spot. Again, you mentioned the history of the Eagles just not taking a linebacker in this draft. As we've sort of said throughout the whole process, there's a year where it makes sense for them to do it. It's a year when they have you know, three first round picks. Of course, they only have two now. So maybe that lessens the chances a little bit. Maybe. I don't know. But uh, they still have the two first round picks. And uh, it's still obviously a glaring substantial need. All right, Jimmy, let's talk about the trade because I want to hear your yeah. reaction. First, I want you to put on your Mickey Loomis hat, if you have a Mickey <laughs> Loomis, and tell me what yeah. the hell Mickey Loomis was thinking. And more so, I mean, this is this is a policing by Howie Roseman, as I see it. From a valuation standpoint, yeah. nothing matters until you turn it into players. But just from, if you look at all the trade charts, whether you want to go way back to Jimmy Johnson or the yeah. new ones, this is ridiculous. This is the difference in value of what the Eagles got back. But yeah, I mean, what? Sorry, what I, so Mickey Loomis first, what is he thinking? And then second, what are the Eagles? What What does it tell you about the Eagles' plan that they did this and 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 they pulled this trade off and they kicked the can down the road a little bit? Okay, I'll start with the Eagles. Um, I think that uh, 
I would have done this trade no matter what, <laughs> like no matter what the scenario, like whether I think that this quarterback class stinks and I think highly of the upcoming quarterback class in 2023, it really doesn't matter to me. I, I do this deal anyway, but I think certainly it, you know, the Eagles do have an eye toward the 2023 quarterback class. And I think that this deal sort of tells you what they think about the quarterback class in 2022. If they really highly valued a quarterback in this class, they'd have kept, all three first round picks as ammo to move up. if like the draft sort of unfolded in a way that, that gave them the opportunity to grab like a Kenny Pickett or a Malik Willis, for example. So that they traded out with one of these picks tells me that they're not interested in any of these quarterbacks this year. And it's going to be Jalen Hurts in 2022. Um, from their perspective, they, you know, they move up actually from 19 to 18 and then pick 16 goes to the saints. So just ignoring the, the part where they move up one spot from 19 to 18, take that out of the equation. Basically what they did was they take, they took the 19th or excuse me, the 16th overall pick, a first round pick, and they exchanged that for a one, a two and a three. The two happens to be a little further down the line in 2024. Yeah. The one happens to be in 2023, but that 2023 pick are the saints going to be good this year. Yeah. And they played a division with, the Falcons and the Panthers who are both worse in my opinion. So they maybe have some wins they could rack up against those teams, but they're still in the division with Tampa and their out of division schedule looks really difficult. I forget off the top of my head. I can't remember exactly who they play, but they have one of the, the one of the hardest schedules uh, in the NFL, you know, those, those four games against the, the Falcons and the uh, Panthers aside. And from my, tell me to put my Mickey Loomis hat on. I don't get it. Like I could understand where um, in the past where you still have Drew Brees and you're sort of going for it one year at a time, you, like you're, you're going to put all your chips in as long as you still have Drew Brees. Drew Brees is long gone at this point. Your quarterback is Jameis Winston. You just had Sean Payton leave. Dennis Allen is your new head coach now. And theoretically that hurts you both offensively and defensively. Hey, Sean Payton's gone. So the chances yeah. of your offense sustaining the high level of play that they have over the last decade plus goes down. And then with Dennis Allen, I mean, the Saints defense was really good and underrated, in my opinion, too. And a lot of that had to do with Dennis Allen. But Dennis Allen is now taking on far more responsibility being a head coach. There's a good chance that their defense sort of suffers as a result of that as well. They just lost Teron Armstead, their star left tackle. So I don't know what they're thinking, thinking that they have like to to make this move to to compete in 2022 i just maybe they're looking at the landscape of the nfl the nfc i said the nfc looks terrible compared (laughs) to the afc maybe they see an opportunity to surprise some some people i I mean they lost marcus williams as well they lost you know malcolm jenkins retired yeah so much has happened in new orleans i i can't and I tried to look at the, the the guys who cover the Saints every day. I'm trying to look for explanations. Mm-hmm. I, I I can't come up with anything yeah. to to how how we pulled this off. So kudos to how we we criticize them. But one thing, just to follow up, Jimmy. Yeah. Does it say anything about Jalen Hurts? Does this tell you anything about Jalen Hurts? Or are we still in this uh, mode? We got this is going to be his season. We're all agreed there, mm-hmm. but. Have they already highlighted like, okay, this is his season, but this is a bridge quarterback and we're going to move on? Or am I going too far? They could be, sure. I mean, they already tried to trade for Russell Wilson and Deshaun Watson this offseason, but neither guy wanted to come to Philly. So it was sort of dead in the water before it ever got going. But certainly they were interested in trading for either one of those two guys. 
Now you look at those two guys and you're like, okay, well, both of those guys are borderline top five type of quarterbacks in the NFL. So maybe that's a little bit different than, you know, looking toward the draft for a guy. But yes, yeah, certainly that the idea that they're stockpiling for 2023, I think that tells you all you need to know about their their uh, their view of Jalen Hurts in the long term. So, I mean, I think I think we all kind of had the same read even before they made that trade that they could be stockpiling picks or trying to for the future so that they can they can trade up for or you know tr- just draft a quarterback outright or trade up for one or whatever. I mean, you look at the 2023 uh, quarterback draft class. I don't think it's just uh, Bryce Young and C.J. Stroud that have the opportunity to be good players. They give uh, Phil Jerkovic from Boston College. Um, I forget the other names uh, of you know players that that could potentially you know sort of have uh, uh, you know rise up in, in 2023. But I think you have two right off the bat in in uh, Chase Young or not Chase Young. And um, I like that Bryce you Young. put uh, the the photo. On your mock draft, the, the <laughs> photo accompanying it wasn't right. any of the mock draft players. It was C.J. Stroud. Yeah. Well, no, Garrett Wilson was in the picture too. Well, yeah, he was, okay. he was yeah. with C.J. Stroud, but but right. yeah. So, uh, but yes, uh, that was done purposely, of course. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, I think it, I think it tell, like, this trade. I think tells you. I mean, again, I'd have done this trade no matter what in any scenario, but I think it does certainly highlight the idea that they're gonna that they're pushing their chips in for 2023 quarterback. Agreed. And I said the, the same thing, smart minds like alike, Jimmy. Even though I have some reservations about the trade, mm-hmm. I'd really like to know who's gonna be on the board for the Eagles to take with a pick in 2024. Really? You gotta go two <laughs> years down the road to get a pick? Come on. Yeah, I got a pretty good crystal ball. Even I'm not gonna fake that one. Um, so there are there are certain reservations I have on it. Um, I can't figure out what Mickey Loomis is doing. Maybe he was. Do you think he was out of the country when Tom Brady re- decided to unretire? <laughs> Did he miss that announcement? But I digress. Um, so, here's sorry, my, here's can, my can, issue can with the Eagles and the deal they made with the Saints. One real quick thing, Jody. I think that the Tom Brady uh, unretirement now helps the Eagles, whereas it sort of maybe wasn't great news for them a month ago or whatever it was. Because now, now that, that now that, now that means some more Saints losses. You are correct. Yeah. That, uh, <laughs> well, plus an eagle column. Um, here's my biggest issue, and it's it doesn't compare because I like you. Doesn't matter when push comes to shove. I'm doing the deal. How did they help the 2022 Eagles? How does this trade make the 2022 Eagles better? To me, it makes them worse because you had three picks and now you're down to two. And they continue to say, well, we're we're dedicated to Jalen and we need to put more weapons around him. Zach Pascal, hello. Yeah. Um, it's kind of tough to to be able to look in the camera with a straight face and go, Oh yeah, we're trying to win this year. They're not. They're 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 trying to get by this year, they're trying to win in the future. How does Jalen Hurts handle something like this? He's standing on the sidelines watching this going. When exactly do you start adding weapons to give me a better shot in 2022? Yeah, well, the answer to the first question is it doesn't help them in 2022, clearly. I mean, they, they traded one of their first round picks, uh, so that doesn't help them this year. I think it's fine. I think it's I think actually the Eagles understanding of what they are as a team and that they're probably not Super Bowl contenders this year is actually an encouraging thing that they, they aren't um, sort of overvaluing what they are, or what they have or whatever. Uh, if you're Jalen Hurts and you see this trade, you're probably not thrilled about it i think he can i think he's smart enough to understand that um you know what the potential implications of it are in 2023 from the eagles perspective i think it's you know they they probably view it as hey here's a challenge jalen prove us that 
you can be the guy by by improving substantially in 2022. And I think that once quarterbacks start looking over their shoulder at uh, picks that are made in in the draft, um, if they, if that can affect them off the field and on the field, then you know maybe they don't have the mental fortitude to be a starting quarterback in the NFL. I think we saw that with you know Carson Wentz. Uh, a yeah. couple years back when they drafted Jalen Hurts in the second round, and that really affected him mentally. Uh, so, you know, maybe you sort of find out a little bit more about the quarterback that you have when when you have them sort of face this kind of adversity or or perceived adversity, uh, as I'll put it. Uh, but yeah, to, but to answer your question, yeah, certainly. I mean, this is a move for the future. It's not. It doesn't help them in any way in 2022. All right, Jimmy. So I'm going to go, I'm going to play devil's advocate here and say, because you said something that I believe, and I think most people believe, um, in that the Eagles are being honest about their evaluation. In a lot of ways, that's the most difficult thing for a sports team to do. You look at the Saints from the Saints perspective. To me, they look like a bottom 10 team, closer to a bottom 10 than a top 10. Uh, And they're not being honest with themselves uh, with this particular trade. But I do talk about it all the time. And I think in some ways the Sixers may have broken Philadelphia. It's always about tomorrow. <laughs> it's never about today. Yeah, yeah It's yeah. always about tomorrow. It's always about that we're not ready to do this. We're not ready to do that. And the Eagles have brought up at times, you know, nobody thought we we're ready in 2017. And the NFC is terrible Yeah, on paper mm-hmm. outside of, you know, Green Bay's obviously still got Aaron Rodgers, but they lose Devontae Adams, Tampa Bay. Who knows? Tom Brady's going to be 45 years old. Right. Then you have the Super Bowl champions, but they've taken some significant hits, both from a talent perspective and a coaching perspective. Um, why is it always we're not ready? We're not ready. We're not ready. If you make three good draft picks, now it's down to two, you can get ready real quick in this league. You know, it's weird because I do, you know, I did say that like they're, they're um, maybe self-aware that they're not Super Bowl contenders in, in 2022. And yet at the same time, they made some weird signings like Fletcher Cox at 14 million yeah, for one 14. year. That doesn't make any sense for the long-term view. Derek Barnett, even for five and a half or six and a half or whatever you want to call it million. That doesn't make any sense for the long-term view in my opinion either. So, I mean, <laughs> they are sort of doing, they are sort of like working both sides of that aisle in some ways. Um, a big theme at the owners meetings, at least in, uh, Jeffrey Lurie's press conference was that, um, you know, they're building for the now while also looking ahead toward the future. So I think they're trying to strike the balance between those two. Um, you don't want to make moves that only help you in 2022 with the roster that they have. Uh, I'm with you that the NFC is, I mean, it looks terrible. I mean, the AFC is looks amazing like there's there's so many great teams in that yeah. in that conference it's wild if you put the eagles in that in the afc oh they're I mean, done yeah what are they then like? i agree then i'd say we're not ready we're not ready they're like the, in, in the, they're like the 11th or 12th best yeah. team if that in the afc yeah. or excuse me the nfc what are they like fifth or sixth maybe seventh some, yeah. somewhere in that ballpark so yeah. yeah i mean like there's opportunity there to to maybe backdoor into the playoffs almost like they did last year um and I don't know if that's really – I mean, everyone keeps calling them a playoff team, but really, were they last year? I mean, they made the playoffs, <laughs> and then they got they – got, what was that score? 31 nothing in, in the third quarter? Yeah, so nothing. they weren't ready to compete with with anyone of, of uh, any you know any kind of – any sort of talented team with a good quarterback last year. They won a lot of games against bad teams and bad – like really, really bad quarterbacks uh, to get to 9-8. and eight. So 
Yeah, I mean, I, I think they're probably about the same as they were last year. I think this, I think 2022 is going to look a lot like 2021 in that they're they have a, re- a lot of really bad teams on their schedule once again. It's basically the same team, couple additions here and there. Asan Radic, I think, will help. I don't know that Jalen Hurts is going to take a step forward necessarily. Like, I don't think that's a given that he will. I think there's evidence that he could actually take a step back given the way that a lot of teams sort of figured out what he is as a player toward the end of the year, keep him in the pocket, make him beat you from the pocket. If he's going to escape one way or the other, make sure he goes left as you and I have discussed before. He's like Zoolander can't go left (laughs) to make him go that way. Uh, So yeah, it'll be interesting to see if he can um, overcome teams, you know, game planning specifically for him. Like they maybe weren't able to do in the, in the first half of the year last year. All right, Jimmy, want to uh, follow up on your statement of the Eagles seem to be playing both sides of the aisle here, mm-hmm. which is exactly what Jeff Laurie said when you were down in Florida covering the winter meetings, uh, the owners' meetings, um, that they are going to build for both the future and the present at the yeah. same time, which is a lot easier said than done. But that yes. seems to be exactly what they're doing yeah. this offseason. <laughs> Is Howie Roseman specifically taking the marching orders from the owner and implementing them? Or is Howie Roseman suggesting to the owner, this is what we should be doing. And then Jeff Laurie goes out and makes it the edict of the, of the organization. Who's leading who? Yeah. Who knows? <laughs> that's a good, that's as good a question as any. And I, you know, I don't know the answer. Uh, I think certainly those two guys are, um, uh, they feed off each other, like how he allows Laurie certain liberties to to, you know, if he has certain preferences, then how he's going to execute those. And one of the things that Laurie talked about was um, after he got through his ridiculous statement of like the three guys that he really wanted the Eagles to get over his entire ownership tenure, the three guys he really, really wanted were Fletcher Cox or excuse me, not Fletcher Cox, Lane Johnson. Jordan, uh, Russell Mylotta. Wilson, yeah. Jordan yeah. Mylotta, like a Hall of Famer, one yeah. of their best picks ever, and then one yeah. of the best like late round picks ever. So yeah. only <laughs> like three the, times. Those yeah. were the three times. Yeah. And then when McManus pushed back on him a little bit, he he sort of uh well, what yeah. about all the misses? And he said, Oh yeah, you know, there's this report, there's reports reporting reports that yeah. uh JJ <laughs> White side. Uh, that yeah. I wanted him badly. I didn't want him badly. They asked me to break the tie. First of all, it wasn't even a tie. Like the, the reporting that Jeff McLean did on that story was that uh, it was basically Doug wanted JJ and uh, Howie and uh, Joe Douglas were in one of Paris Campbell. Either way, both guys busted. So it didn't even matter like, yeah. who they got. Yeah. It was a bad evaluation yeah. anyway, instead of DK Metcalf or Terry McLaurin or whoever you want to name that they should have taken instead. Uh, but it's so funny that, that, that this JJ Ortega Whiteside story has, has this much legs at this point, it just won't go away. But he specifically brought that up, saying that he like he didn't break the tie. He said, nah, you guys just take whoever you want. Meanwhile, on the other hand, he's saying, well, we uh, analyze these prospects uh, from every every ama- uh, angle you could possibly imagine. There are, we analyze these guys from things you wouldn't even think about. And then when they're on the, on the clock in, in the second round, they go to Jeffrey and they're like, eh, we can go either way. What do you think, Jeff? And, and he's like, eh. Take whoever you want. Yeah. So well, you know, you know what, Jimmy? I I I do think Jeffrey, he always tries, and you know this, he always tries yeah. to frame himself as this inquisitive, you know, happy go lucky. Yeah. yeah. It's just he's trying to, you know, 
overseas CEO and he just wants to see strategy. <laughs> yes. I, but I think he truly doesn't understand as the owner of the team, if he says, like, yeah, like Doug, the best example, why are you not running the football in Green Bay? You win the game. And Doug's like, what the hell is this guy doing? Why <laughs> right. is he complaining? Right, He's right. the owner. So it kind of carries more weight Sure. when you say, and he doesn't seem to get that. I don't know if that's real or he just doesn't, but he doesn't seem to understand his opinion carries more weight than others. Is that fair? I mean, I work for the Norcross family and they, they totally leave me alone. They let me, they let me write whatever I want to write. Like there's no, there's no direction or so I'm not like saying anything like that, but if they suggested something, they suggested yeah. that I write something, I'm going to do it <laughs> because <laughs> they're, they're the owners of the company and I better just do whatever they want, want me to do. So uh, yeah, I, I think you can apply sort of that, um, that, you know, the Eagle situation with, with Lori sort of, giving helpful suggestions and you better do it uh, to, you know, their everyday lives and, and, and their job situations as well. All right, Jimmy, one more fallout from the big trade with the saints potential fallout, I should say, because it hasn't happened yet. Uh, according to Jimmy Kemsky, the Eagles might be taking a wide receiver and a linebacker with their two first round picks. Now he explained his, uh, his thought. Process. Right, he's changing it every single yeah. time, but I'm just <laughs> focusing on the one that's this week to make my point. Yeah. You didn't have him taking a defensive end. Right. So they re-signed, uh, they re-signed Derek Barnett. As of right now, he's going to be in that mix for defensive end rotational snaps and the like. John has faith it's going to be less snaps than I do. I fear it's going to be just slightly less snaps than this past year when for mm -hmm. me he wasn't good enough. If they don't take a defense, are they going to just have one drop in their lap in the second round who plays like a first rounder. Are they in the market at all for any of the guys like the Ingrams of the world or the Jadavian Clownies are still out there? Or is this group and they, after the first round draft pick going to be what we're looking at at defensive end for the Eagles this offseason? So I think if they could get a defensive end, they'd love to. I think what happened was with the Derek Barnett signing, part of the impetus for that was, the, the uh, sort of Ojabo. obscure here, but the David Ojabo uh, yeah. Achilles tear at his pro day yeah. defensive end from Michigan. I think once he, once that happened, the Eagles probably looked at the likelihood that a defensive end was going to fall to them at 15 probably was, you know, less likely because you had Ojabo, you have Hutchinson, who's going to go in the top five. You have Kayvon Thibodeau who's probably going to go top 10. You have uh, uh, Walker, Walker. From, from, from Georgia, yeah. who's going to go top five. You have um, uh, George Karlaftis, who may make it to the Eagles or not. Uh, there's, he's sort of a polarizing prospect. But there, you know, there's there what was seemingly an abundant group of defensive end that was likely to have one fall to the Eagles at, at you know at, at 15. Sort of suddenly became after that just that one injury sort of became uh, not as abundant of a of a positional group. So. Uh, if they have to, if they really are dead set on getting uh, a defensive end early in this draft, they could maybe move up for one. I, I, I saw a suggestion of the Eagles maybe trading up with the Jets uh, at pick number 10 as a reasonable enough suggestion where you know, the Eagles could get up to 10, take either a defensive end or, you know, one of these two stud corners in, in Gardner or Stingley. Um, the Jets, you know, have a desperate need for a wide receiver. 
the Jets can get a wide receiver at 10, they can get a wide receiver at 15. It really doesn't matter. So if they can pick up a couple free picks and, and get one at 15 to 10 instead of 10, then that makes sense for me, uh, to me, uh, for, for them to do. So, yeah, I don't, I don't, the Eagles move around all over the place as we've seen in the past. Last, last year they traded, uh, they traded out, they traded back rather, uh, from six to 12. And then they traded up in the draft from 12 to 10 and they got Devontae Smith. This year, I think that's another possibility where they trade out completely of the first round with one of their picks. And then when, when the, as the draft is unfolding, they see a guy that maybe has fallen a little further than he should have. And they move up to 10 or 11, 12, whatever, somewhere in that range. And, and they get a, a guy that they have specifically targeted as a, you know, a good fit for their team and a good player or whatever. So, uh, yeah, I, I do think that uh, to answer your question at defensive end, I, I don't think they've, you know, they've just shut the door on that. Uh, and I think they would be aggressive in going up and getting one if the right, op- if you know the right opportunity was there to do so. But the idea that they can just sit at 15 and get one at this point is a lot less likely. All right, Jimmy. Last one from me. Everybody follow Jimmy on Twitter at Jimmy Kemsky, the uh, at the Philly Boys, phillyboys.com. Uh, this morning, read his Eagles mock draft roundup. He's got his Eagles only uh, mock draft as well up version five of each. Um, say they stay at, at 15 and 18, I want positions, not, not, we, we heard your explanation of the mock, your most likely positions. And then you mentioned the Devontae Smith trade, because I think that's a chance here. Yeah. If they're going to target one player to go up two, three spots, something of that range, who would that one player be? Uh, maybe Jermaine Johnson from Florida state. Uh, if I can give you a couple more that I I'll oh, give you sure. four. <laughs> <laughs> Thibodeau is another one that I think makes sense. And then either of the corners Gardner or uh, Stingley. All right. And positions if they stay put. Uh, so just 15 wide receiver, just because there's so many of them. Um, and there's going to be a player worth taking at 15 and they still have needs there. Um, and then, um, I mean, defensive end, if, if, if any of those guys fall, like that's a no-brainer. Go take them, done. Uh, and, uh, but beyond those two, I would say defensive tackle, maybe. I was going to say, you got to get the DT because that's yeah. what Johnny Mack is selling. I think He's they're, gonna gonna think they're a DT. taking a DT. I think they love Jordan Davis. I yeah. think that's a name that they might go up and get. But Yeah, I mean, a guy like him – for as athletic for as athletic as he is, for what is he six six three forty yeah. something? I think. Yeah. He's just a, a the type of human that doesn't exist in 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 nature. Like so, if you can get a guy like that, and there are knocks against him that he might only play forty percent of the snaps or something like that. But if he could be dominant in those forty percent of the snaps, then and he he's that kind like he's he's a, a, a just a human specimen that doesn't exist. Go get him, sure. He's actually come down in weight. I think he's down to like 325. He okay. read enough about being 340 and well, I saw him at the Maxwell Club. He ain't 325, Joe. <laughs> <laughs> he, he's advertising he is. He might not be. Uh, we'll see what happens on draft day. Jimmy, always a pleasure, my friend. Thank you very much for coming on with us today. We'll get you on again before the draft actually takes place. All right, guys. Appreciate it. Thanks, and, Jimmy. Uh, if we can get Jimmy up, we're going to punch him up back up again. If we don't, you heard what he said. The only mock that matters is his last one. 
because he he does a mock basically every two weeks and he never repeats a name. So he's got to be reaching and stretching a little bit. That's how you get a linebacker going to the Eagles in the first round with only two picks now that they've traded one. His last mock is the most important. So we'll get him back on when he runs that one out there. We'll continue to mock our lives through Eagles conversation. He's John McMullen. I'm Jody McDonald. Getting right back here on Birds 365. Imagine for a moment that you went to work today, and when you came home, you were catastrophically injured. Your life and your family's life. That's what happened to union construction worker Mike Little. I was scared of what the end was going to be, but to be 100% honest with you, I knew I was going to be all right just by talking with Brian. In my heart, I just knew everything was going to be all right. Call the firm and find out why they say, we got this. Call 215-458-2222. At Stateside Vodka, every new customer gets the world's best rocks glass. Free. What's that? Uh, a rocks glass? You're telling me that bottle is cut in half? You could say that. Holy shit. And you're telling me I can get one of these glasses for free? That's right. One free rocks glass per customer with each first-time purchase of Stateside Vodka. So good, it just disappears. Field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. Go for the midnight dares. Go for the memories. Go for the view that goes on forever. Go for the bubbles in your bathtub and in your drink. Go to bed whenever you want. Or don't. Go for him. Go for her. Go for the wind. Go to Ocean Casino Resort. Book your trip at theoceanac.com. You've got your birds 365 guys. McMullen and McDonald hanging with you. On the Jacob Media YouTube channel, where we ask them to do what, John? Uh, like, share, and subscribe. Somebody got angry, a little angry emoji. Uh, I don't know what made him angry uh, at us, but yeah, like us, share, subscribe. We need that. By the way, Jody, we mentioned because I, I, Cooper Cup, yeah, nobody brings him up, which is a little bit strange when we're talking about the wide receiver market. You know, amazingly, I, I he, thought I just did. No, but I meant contract-wise. 
you know, when people talking about contracts. Um, I thought I just did. No, but, but <laughs> what I'm trying to explain, if you let me get it out, he, he was a third round pick, amazingly, as it seems. So it was a four year deal. He already signed his second contract. Um, so when when Jimmy and I are discuss and everybody's talking about AJ Brown and DK Metcalf and Terry McLaurin, and you know he already signed his second deal, which kind of went under the radar. Um, and you know now obviously he's very cost effective, but just but ironically, uh, uh, Spotrack just came out with wide receiver market valuations uh, as we were doing the show. And I have McLaurin at four years, ninety-seven point seven million. Metcalf at four years, ninety-seven point one. Brown at four years, ninety-one. Samuel at four years, ninety. Deontay Johnson at four years, eighty-eight. I I don't know why anybody would want to pay Deontay Johnson that. Um, and then Cup when he does come up, four years. 113 million but he signed his second contract so that's why he's not in the names with everybody else yeah but isn't stefan diggs now on his third contract yeah i mean you could start talking about extensions but that's uh, exactly what i'm talking about tyreek hill was an extension stefan diggs was an extension Jamal Adams was a sign and trade. They it's actually an extension because they'd already slapped the franchise tag on him, but they're all extensions. None yeah, of them they're actually all, got they're to the all, free agent market. Yeah, but they're all timed extensions. In other words, like we talk about Jalen Hurts all the time. Well, Jalen Hurts isn't, you know, going to be a free agent next year, but that's the time for his extension. The time for Cooper Cup's extension will be after next year, uh, you know, at the usual way of doing business. He won't be out of contract, but they'll have to work out the contract extension or you'll probably start to hear some concerns. That's just the timing of how these things tend to happen. That Nobody wants to renegotiate a contract two years early. And I'm not going to say well, it never it, happens. Except but the Bills just did. Yeah, I'm saying it's contract and they ripped it up and redid it. And my point was when I made it, why aren't we talking about Cooper Cup doing the exact same thing? Because he's not he's not creating waves. And you're you're always lucky when you have a great player that doesn't create waves. Now, while I say this, he might create he might wake up tomorrow and say, you know what? I might want to create a wave. It's a it's a choppy sea out there today the player empowerment era is here and yeah, you can work, you, you can go to sleep as an NFL coach and, and, and say, oh, I feel pretty good. And Sean McVay probably does that. And then he wakes up the next day and who knows, Cooper cup might wake up and it might be step on digs. Tyreek Hill was fine until Devonte had uh, Adams happened. Um, who knows what sets players and agents off? Who knows? But it is funny that nobody, by nobody, I'm not talking about you, Jody. I'm talking about when, when you see people talk about the next receivers, they always talk about DK Metcalf, A.J. Brown, Terry McLaurin, 
And who was the fourth one? Debo Samuel. Nobody talks about Cooper Cup. And so I just did some research into that's the reason why. Now, anytime a player can wake up, especially coming off that season, he probably should wake up and say, what about me? Um, but, you know, there's a lot of things that play into it. Maybe he realizes, hey, it's pretty fun playing for the Super Bowl champions. And if I do that and I make a lot of money anyway, and if I do that early, it's going to blow up the team. Who knows? It, it depends on individual players thinking. Right, because the two biggest guys this offseason, Adams and Hill, both are traded. One left Aaron Rodgers, the other left Patrick Mahomes. So, yeah, if you want to go there, you can go there. But the team might go, well, then, yeah, if you want the contract that you're asking for, we can't give it to you. So we'll engage in trade talks with another team who might be capable and willing to give you the new advanced mega number that you want. But it's mean you're going to go place for somebody else. He could be very comfortable in L.A., may love playing with Matthew Stafford, and that factors in. I'm just pointing out that in an offseason where the best, quote-unquote, best wide receivers in the league, and I would put Adams and uh, Hill Hill and uh, Diggs today among them, all got their contracts redone with years and or uh, franchise tags on them, if you're Cooper Cup coming off the season that you just had, I don't understand why he wouldn't step up and go, how about me? If, if, if that's the new way that things are being done in the National Football League, when someone else's contract goes up at your position, you're allowed to throw up your hand and go, yeah, no. Um, as you mentioned now a couple times, the Kansas City Chiefs thought they were very close to getting a deal done with Tyree Kill. Oh, except guess what? Devontae Adams just rewrote the rules. He changed the price of poker. Well, why is it? Why aren't we throwing more chips Cooper Cup's way? Why isn't Cooper going, no, 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 get the bank over here. I need to uh, trade in a couple of my orange chips for green chips and get that much more money. That was the point I tried to bring up because earlier. Because he hasn't, uh, he hasn't created waves yet. And, you know, uh, if he's listening to Burt's 365 and it's probably too early, out on the West Coast, uh, maybe we just ruined it for the Rams. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry about that, Rams. My my job is not to make it easier for you. It's just to point out what I see as trends in the National Football League, and the trend would be Cooper Cup going, yeah, I want my slice of the pie. Everybody else is getting a bigger piece of the pie. I need a bigger piece, too, coming off the season that I just had uh, helping us win a championship here in, uh, in, in Hollywood. Uh, just something to keep your eye on. Wouldn't be surprised if it happens in the next couple of weeks. Um, I do have one quarterback question for you. It's not Jalen Hurts related. It's about the league in general, but it does tie into – I can tie it into the Eagles. Um, no new news. I'm going to ask Randy Newman uh, – Randy Newman – Randy Mueller on when we have him coming up and joining us, former executive of the year in the NFL, uh, GM of both the Rams and the Saints. And we'll talk to him about the deal that the Saints made – John and I still scratching Jimmy Kemsky too, scratching our head. What exactly were the Chiefs, uh, the Saints attempting to achieve? Uh, we'll certainly put that to Randy when we get him on. Um, he was also uh, formerly with the Seahawks. The Seahawks are one of the teams in next year's draft, 2023, who have two first-round draft picks as of right now. Eagles do, uh, Texans do, and the Seahawks do as well. 
And I would suggest with the rosters they have, if you're looking at the picks that the other teams own, the Saints might be the better of the two picks Eagles have. Because right now I like the Eagles roster better than I like the Saints roster. And that's with adding the two first-round picks that the Saints are going to use. Because the Eagles are also adding two picks, which are basically equivalent. So uh, I would say if you're projecting into the 2023 draft, seasonal records, who's going to have the highest pick, I would say the Saints pick is the better of the two Eagle picks that they own right now. The Seattle pick could be high unto itself. I think they got a chance to be a bad football team. At least they do as of right now with Drew Locke as their quarterback. And the Texans, two picks are going to be pretty damn high, too, because, yeah, I'm not a Davis Mills fan. I, have I ever asked you this? Yeah, you asked me that yesterday. yesterday. I was surprised. Okay. Yeah, you like the kid. Yeah, I like the kid. I don't. So I don't does John. I'm glad to hear John McClain likes McClain likes well. the kid. Well, yeah. he likes the kid, but he was more saying to me that the, the Texans really like the kid. They're dedicated. There's no... There's been no conversation. Well, and let me say, I I said yesterday, but I'll reemphasize. I think he's got a chance to be a solid NFL starting quarterback. I don't think he's going to be a star. I think he's got a chance to be a solid guy that's, you know, right there, mediocre, above average, whatever you want to call it. I I don't think he's going to be a star, but I think he's going to be in that 15 to 20 range, maybe – on an up year, I'll get to like 13 or, you know, somewhere in that range. I, I don't think he's ever going to be a top 10 quarterback, but I think he's going to be a solid starting quarterback, which is not what you want long term. No. Uh, so my question to you would be, do you think he's better than Jalen Hurts? Yeah, I said yesterday, I think he isn't now. I think he's got the potential to be uh, down the road. Um, and... Um, I think he, I said this yesterday as well. I think, I think Nick Sirianni would prefer him to be honest. If we're, if we're injecting people with true serum, because I think that would be the type more of the type of quarterback you would like, uh, you know, to not have to build the, the funky offense that he doesn't really want to run. Um, in, in what way? Just being able to handle the offense from the pocket. That's what he wants to do. He wants to play 11 personnel. He wants to throw the football a lot like everybody else. In the, and this is no secret. Everybody in the NFL wants to do this. Um, that One of the big successes of Nick Sirianni, and I think he deserves a ton of credit for, is scrapping it and revamping and working the whole offense a different way. And building it up to be a, a playoff team, we can judge as we did with Jim, Jimmy how real that was. But they made the playoffs. They took advantage of a poor schedule. They beat the teams they should have beaten. They deserve credit for that. And, yeah, they got blown out in Tampa Bay. Um, he, he and, and, by the way, Jeffrey Lurie as well. Um, they want to run a different off. They don't want to run this offense. They don't. They don't. I, I, I understand the point you're trying to make, but and you think Davis Mills is that guy? No, I don't think he's Jared, that Jared guy. Goff's a pocket quarterback too, but I don't want him coming in and taking over the Eagles either. No, I, well, that I don't think he's that guy. I think he's more of that guy than Jalen Hurts. I think neither is what they want. Look, the Eagles could have went a lot of different ways in this offseason. They could have went after Jimmy Garoppolo. You can make an argument 
that Jimmy Garoppolo is a better quarterback. It, it, he is. He's a better quarterback than Jalen Hurts. But I don't want him. I don't want him. Um, the Eagles don't want him. Um, Baker Mayfield now. He's a better quarterback than Jalen Hurts. The Eagles don't want him, nor should they want them. They they only want a top five upgrade. You know, Russell Wilson, Deshaun Watson, they could be in the conversation to be top five quarterbacks. Now, they might not be. You know, Russell had some injuries getting but they think he's a top five level quarterback. That's what they want. And whether they get it on the open market, they weren't able to do it, or they get it on you know, somewhere down the line in the top five of the draft. That's what they want. They don't want to sit there and say, well, we'll get incrementally better with Jimmy Garoppolo. We'll get incrementally better with David Mills. He can run Nick Sirianni's preferred offense a little bit better than Jalen Hurts. But what are you, you're just spinning your wheels at, at that point. They do love all the intangibles with Jalen Hurts. All of that is true. They love his work ethic. They love the way he relates to people. They love um, how he goes about his business, how he's a professional. And there's still room to grow. So, you know, I often talk about being in a vacuum. In the vacuum, I think Davis Mills is a slightly better fit for the offense that Nick Sirianni wants to run. But what 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 is the point? They're, 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 you know, first of all, he's not available. Houston likes him. Second of all, um, they don't want that. They don't want. They don't want to be on that purgatory. That's what they're debating now. You know, where's that line? Does Does Jalen Hurts really have the upside to be a top ten quarterback in this league? Forget about top five. Let's say top ten. Does he have the upside? If you ask me, if you if you force me to give you an answer, I'll tell you no. I don't know what your answer is, but I'll tell you no about Davis Mills as well. I'll tell you no about Jimmy Garoppolo. I'll tell you no about Baker Mayfield. I'll tell you no about a bunch of players. But they're still good NFL starting quarterbacks. But you need better. If you want to, if you want the confetti raining down, as Howie Roseman says, you gotta do better. On that, we surely agree. We just uh disagree. You, me, and John McClain. You got John McClain on your side, it's not a bad play. But then again. I, I don't want to misquote John McClain. Well, I didn't hear what he said. So I I, that's what I mean. I, I want to get it across directly to you. It was it was in part, John, but he was more talking about when I had him on as a guest, how much the organization likes him. That they had no interest in going out and upgrading quarterback. They think they've got a keeper. They think they've got a guy who can get up into the top half of the quarterbacks in the league. I vehemently disagree. I don't think the kid's a player at all. I absolutely believe Jalen Hurts has more upside than than Davis Mills does, and I don't really care that he's more apt to stay in the pocket than Jalen Hurts is. I just think Jalen Hurts is more talented, a player. So if I got my choice, either one of them today, same thing, same position, same contract, uh, same amount of time left, and I get to choose either one and plug them into my offense. If I'm Nick Sirianni, I'm plugging in Jalen Hurts. I don't. I just don't think Mills is all that good. Uh, but John did hammer home the fact that the Texans absolutely like Mills and aren't even batting an eye. There's less talk about them upgrading in Houston than there is here in Philadelphia because we talk about it basically every single day. Oh, it's just another year yeah. for a year till I get. Well, to the it sounds like Houston. Draft. 
is a lot like Philadelphia and they like all the intangibles and they like that kind of stuff. And, you know, I, I think they're both average quarterbacks is their or above average quarterbacks is their, their ceiling. And, and to win a Super Bowl, you got to do better than that. He is John McMullen. I'm Jody McDonald. Makes us the Mac and Mac Birds 365 guys. Coming up next, we have former NFL Executive of the Year GM for the Saints and the Dolphins. We'll get our buddy Randy uh, Mueller up here next on Birds 365. Imagine for a moment that you went to work today, and when you came home, you were catastrophically injured. Your life and your family's life. That's what happened to union construction worker Mike Little. I was scared of what the end was going to be, but to be 100% honest with you, I knew I was going to be all right just by talking with Brian in my heart. I just knew everything was going to be all right. Call the firm and find out why they say, we got this. Call 215-458-2222. At Stateside Vodka, every new customer gets the world's best rocks glass, free. What's that? Uh, a rocks glass? You're telling me that bottle is cut in half? You could say that. Holy shit. And you're telling me I can get one of these glasses for free? That's right. One free rocks glass per customer with each first-time purchase of Stateside Vodka. So good, it just disappears. Field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. Go for the midnight dares. Go for the memories. Go for the view. It goes on forever. Go for the bubbles in your bathtub and in your drink. Go to bed whenever you want. Or don't. Go for him. Go for her. Go for the win. Go to Ocean Casino Resort. Book your trip at theoceanac.com. Get your Mac and Mac guys here on Bird 365, McMullen, McDonald, and we are lucky enough to have as our next guest, former executive of the year in the NFL and general manager of both the Saints and the Dolphins. He is the head creator of content for MuleofFootball.com. If he's going to call it that, he better be the head creator of content <laughs> for MuleofFootball.com. He contributes uh, for Fox Sports and The Athletic as well. Randy Mueller joins us here on Birds 365. How you been, Randy? 
I'm doing great, guys. Always brings a smile to my face to be back with you guys. I don't know why. Maybe it's all of us with gray hair. I don't know. Yeah, it brings a comfort to us all yeah. with the gray hair. Uh, it's coming for everybody, Randy. I hear you. Uh, but, um, it's good to have you on this week. Uh, when I contacted you, I didn't know Howie Roseman was going to make this trade. But, you know, you have a history with the New Orleans Saints. So I have to ask you, what the heck was Mickey thinking with this trade? What, uh, what is the thought process from a GM standpoint with this particular trade from both angles? I think it's more obvious from Philadelphia's angle. But right. what do you think New Orleans was was the thought process there? Well, I know from my history and, and really growing up with Mickey, we were together for 20 some years. Um, my guess is there's another shoe that has to drop, John. I think making this move was probably the first of a couple. Um, I do also tells me that they have their board set for this year, which is a little early, which surprises me. They know where players are going to run out, so to speak. And maybe it's 20 people that they feel quality, really good values about. They have two picks in that top 20 now. And we know the Saints need volume this year. They're trying to move some things around cap-wise. So the only really impact players they're going to be able to add because of the cap is through the draft. And this might allow them to add two. If not, it gives them some versatility and maybe being able to move up another step as we get closer. You wouldn't make a deal like this now for a particular player because you don't know who's going to be there. So I think it was fascinating from my end is to see the different philosophies. And you mentioned Howie and the Eagles who are much more analytically driven, much more trade draft chart driven. In my opinion, Mickey won't be like that. He'll be a supply and demand guy. Um, there'll be more of a timing to build our team as opposed to going off any charts or draft codes or anything like that so a different philosophy maybe old school a little bit against you know new school but i think there's value for both these teams in making these deals they're just building their teams in different ways that's all all right you quasi asked to answer the question i was going to ask but i'll ask it anyway because i need slightly more of an answer uh the nfl and the way it usually does and what you did when you were in the position of being the lead guy as a general manager of a team calendar draft question with three weeks out how formulated is your draft board you mentioned you think mickey by this trade is kind of showing they really like where they're at three weeks out mm -hmm. other teams may do it differently may just have formulas in place and then are really gonna zero in when they get to within a week there might be teams that have had it in place for a month ago all right we're done we'll come back we'll tweak a little bit the week of but we know who we like we know who we don't like Right. What is the the general timing of draft calendars, if you can even uh, give us a best guess scenario on that? Uh, what are you trying to do three weeks out from the draft? Well, I think for the most part, your draft board has been set by the personnel people for for now a couple weeks. And those guys, along with some assistant coaches, have been out on the road at pro days, finalizing some workout information. And then they're coming back in this week to figure out how to use these numbers that they've gathered the last couple of weeks. I don't think it's going to make a big difference in where these cards are, but they're going to tweak some things. The other thing is that's important for people to know is coaches aren't really involved in the process until maybe the combine starts and then their input gets taken. So I think last week, maybe this week, maybe next week, depending on each team, 
that input is going to be taken into account. So you may see some players move around on your board based on what coaches evaluations are. And again, I can only speak for my past in that the coaches part of it was the last part of the calendar. That was the last input we really received. And so we wouldn't jump players around drastically at that point, but you can surely move them up and down within levels and grading scales a little bit when you get the coaches input. So I think those things have happened. Or, or at least are starting to happen. I, I, I've made deals, you know, early on in the process. One year we made a deal when we moved from 10 up to three, and that was probably a month before the draft. But I also knew that I was going to be happy with any one of three players when we went up there. And one of them happened to be at a particular position of need for us. So we felt like it was comfortable to go up and make that move ahead of time. Um, we also had some intel as to what the other team's ahead of us were going to do and there was only two teams that's impossible to do when you have 15 teams you can't have all the intel on the 15 picks ahead of you so it was a little easier to do going up that high in the draft uh, that year so every draft is different though guys i find it fascinating that the quality like we said may run out at at pick 20 for the saints there may uh, may be other teams that say the quality runs out for them at pick 10 or 11 so yeah. the values that they put on these drafts from a depth standpoint and from an impact player standpoint, I think always fascinate me. And it's different in every building. What, what fascinates me about particular drafts from year to year is the valuation of, 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 of draft slots compared to the quarterback class. In other words, <laughs> when you have a, a, a highly regarded quarterback class like 2023 is supposed to way too early, but yeah, you know, people think Bryce Young's going to be up there and CJ Stroud, and maybe a few others, as opposed to this year's. And some people love Kenny Pickett, some people love Malik Willis, but as a whole, the quarterback class is, is not as highly regarded as some other recent ones. How does that affect the other trap slots? Uh, as far as valuing when teams are looking to trade, does it, does it, does it lessen those or, or am I making too much of it? In other words, I guess I always say rising tides, you know, lift all boats that when the quarterback position is strong, does that make every pick in the first round a little bit more valuable? Well, there's no question your supply and demand changes. And I think that's really at the end of the day, what dictates value It's it's, just like it is in the real market of business. It's supply and demand when you come uh, to looking at quarterbacks. This year, you're right. There doesn't seem to be a lot of consensus. I see, you know, a, a grade or a report or an evaluation here or there on a particular player or quarterback, but there's no real consensus. So if I were a team, let's say, for example, the Chiefs at 29 or 30, wherever they are, I wouldn't feel as good about what's going to slip down to me as I would if there were four or five quarterbacks that were available. Obviously, if I need a defensive player or something like that, I'm hoping every quarterback gets drafted. Yeah. Obviously, and I'm just using them as an example. Yeah. Um, you know, something else is going to slip down to me. That's probably not going to happen this year. They're not going to have something fall in their lap that they would last year, so to speak, when five quarterbacks got picked in the top 15 or whatever it was. So it affects the other positions a lot and and how far they may slide. Um, you know, time will tell. I I just think that. The quarterback evaluation this year to me has just been fascinating. And all of us have opinions, right? But here's the big difference. I don't think fans actually realize that much of you can 
you can look and read your one one person evaluations all you want but these clubs know five and six times what we all know on the outside. Yeah. And they have five of those opinions internally that they've discussed that nauseum. And usually the truth lies in the middle. So it's not about Jody being right and me being wrong or John being right and Jody being wrong. It's about what we have to do together and, and reaching a consensus. And that's what these teams do. They reach consensus. So it's, it's, it's really their, their final ranking of a player is has been five or six times vetted by all these different outlets and all within our own division what are on our own building what we see on the outside as fans is one person's opinion on one thing it's just not as inclusive as as the information that is going to come out of an nfl building all right randy got another just general draft question for you we hear teams talk about it after the fact guys who've done it like yourself you need to be careful not to reach you have a position of need. You have your draft board in order. You're coming up. You're a couple of picks away. Yeah, you really need this one position, but you got two or three players ranked ahead of them where mm -hmm. they'd be reserves on your team, could eventually become starters. But do you reach for that guy? Understand the concept of it. Get it across the board. It's a tricky road you got to navigate. Yeah, it's a great how, question. Yeah. How often does it come this way? I want you to comment on that, but also this. You're coming up on a pick. And you see a guy who's the top-rated player at the position, but you know that that position is really deep. That that there you've got high grades on ten or eleven players at a position, and you're making your first round pick. You go, you know, we we could use a safety, and he's high enough to be rated to take there. But damn, we got eleven safeties. If we get one in the second round, that's fine. If we go one in the third round, that's fine. Yeah, it's a drop off, but not that bad a drop off. And to get a starter in the third round, how much does that come up that you will actually, while you're on the board, coming up the next couple of picks, look at the depth of a position to say, you know, I think we can pass here because we can get a guy later on in the draft, which you're never really going to know because. Right. They keep getting picked off right before you're about to call their name. How right. much did that play into thinking in the top round on an NFL draft? It definitely definitely plays. But I would say this, Jody, you've discussed almost every scenario prior to the draft. So those thoughts don't really come through your mind when you're approaching the clock. But you've discussed them for weeks, okay. every scenario possible. So it's just like a, a game plan on Sunday. Whoa, 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 hold on. Are you telling me that NFL teams do mock drafts? They mock <laughs> themselves in their war room days and days and days before the draft? I'm telling you that my teams did them at nauseum. I want to be prepared for everything. I didn't, and I would lock all this out of my mind, not to get sidetracked on your question, but I wouldn't take any mock drafts into consideration until that week before the draft. Then I instructed all of our guys, bring all that crap in bring every mock draft you've ever seen in bring it all in because we're going to go through it all and i don't even care whose name is on it but i want to discuss everything that's on there because i don't want to have a surprise on draft day so we would spend a couple days doing mock drafts i want to discuss it all and and as the craziest idea the craziest mock i've ever seen i don't care i want to talk about it so i didn't have to decide on the clock just the scenario that you peeled off i think it's the, the the need versus best player is the biggest uh, Pandora's box in the draft. And I think it also requires discipline. It requires confidence. It requires all the above for a GM to do. Um, I think it's really hard to stand pat 
But if you've discussed everything you just brought up, Jody, all the possibilities, all the depth at positions, you're going to have a plan when you walk in that room. And I, I, I'm not to drama, over-dramatize, but I've walked in many draft mornings feeling better than any day of the year because I know we had talked about everything. There was going to be no surprises. There's nothing you can do that we haven't talked about. And, and I'll give you one example. In New Orleans one year, we had all of our coaches used to be in the draft room. Some, some teams don't let anybody in the draft room. There's four or five guys. I always believe in inclus- including everybody because they've all been part of the process. But we're sitting at the draft table one day, and there's a little bit of chatter and, and noise around us as the picks are coming off. And Mr. Benson taps me on the shoulder, and he says, Hey, Randy, does all this noise bother you? And I, I had to think for a minute, and I looked around, and I said, What noise? I just, I knew, we knew exactly what we were doing. So the noise didn't even factor in. You know, when I say noise, I'm talking about actual talking around the room, uh, a lack of focus or whatever. We, are, we were locked in and didn't have to worry about these picks coming off because we knew exactly what we're going to do. So I think it, it all depends on your setting, on the people around you, how comfortable you are. And, and compare it to this. If you were going to take a test, you're only, you're anxious most of the time when you walk in that test room, because you want to, if you, if you haven't studied enough, you're going to be nervous about it. Well, these guys have all studied every day for 300 days now. So if they walk in, there feeling anxious. That just tells me they're not prepared. Mm. So the two go hand in hand. I think that the, to go back and quickly answer what you're talking about, the, the choice of need and jumping that up above the best player available is, is a hard thing, but you've, you've, doing the whole board, the whole process a disservice if you do that and and jump levels of value per se. If you have the board stacked strategically to fill your kind of needs that you've talked about, you can't put needs blindly in a corner and not worry about that. You've got to be able to discuss it. And you usually have, a seasoned GM will have choices within a value, a group of players within a little cluster. So you stack those within that cluster maybe uh, uh, as opposed to how you need them more than anything else. So I think you can accomplish both if you stack your board, you know, with any thought process with levels two, three, four type thinking. Brandy, well, these days, I don't think you could have enough time in the day to look at every single mock draft because everybody does one yeah, every no day, kidding. it seems. But um, you did mention Tom Benson there. So I want to talk about ownership. Uh, we have Jeffrey Laurie here in Philadelphia. He's owned, owned the Eagles for, I think, 28 years now. So pretty large sample size. Uh, for the most part, a very well-regarded owner around the NFL. Mm-hmm. Interesting thing about Jeffrey, though, to me, Randy, is he's a very inquisitive guy. He likes to ask questions, as he always describes it. And one of the things I think he doesn't get is because he's the owner of the team, his questions carry a heck of a lot of weight. Mm-hmm. And sometimes I think he thinks he's one of the guys. And if he says something, you know, it might tilt somebody to go in a certain direction. Mm-hmm. So you're talking about all that process and consensus and being ready for everything. What happens if the owner comes in and says something that perks up uh, the ears, even if it's just a suggestion? Right. I think 
first off, the fact that he would ask questions is good for everybody. I think it keeps the football people sharp. I just don't think they can roll out thoughts or ideas or statements without having them backed up because they know Jeffrey gets it. That's a big thing. Uh, and not to say that Tom Benson didn't get it. He didn't ask a lot of questions. He trusted us implicitly. But I went from there, having come from Seattle, where Paul Allen would ask some questions as well. He may not be present every day, but there were f very few days where I didn't get emails or questions sent. So, and, and like he used to say, I don't care what you say. It just has to be what you say, if that makes any sense. He's never going to put words in your mouth. But if you tell him this is the way it's going to be, it has to be that way. So I, I, I tend to think that's what Jeffrey's looking for is, is just the, the people around him to qualify what they say and to have backing. And I'm sure how he has that. Um, I do think you have to be confident and strong enough to not always give him the answers you think he's looking for. I think you've got to stand on your own. And if you don't agree with the statement, be okay with that. But something tells me again that Jeffrey's okay with that as well. It just forces you to be sharper at your job. And therefore, I think ownership is a big part of the drafting process. They may not be in there watching tape, nor, nor do they have to be. But questions are really important to keep us all accountable. And I, I love that part of it. I think it's great. I would welcome as much of that as long as a little bit of pushback um, is okay, which I would think most smart people, most, most leaders are, are, are okay with a little bit of pushback if it makes sense. All right, Randy, I'm going to take you back onto the NFL calendar again, three weeks to the draft. That goes hand in hand with free agency. Free agency always comes first. Teams put out big bucks for players, availability, grab up your guys. You got to pay them through the roof. But the further you go into free agency, as you start to close in on a draft, the number of players available come down. And the price per player starts to come down as well because teams have filled needs. Right. We're about three weeks out. Is this a good time to be able to get a free agent? Maybe sell them on, hey, you want to sign before the draft because once teams start the draft, your position is going to get eaten up there, big guy. Make mm -hmm. a good, solid, take it or leave it offer for a particular player who would be still sitting on the free agency list a month after free agency starts. Good time or bad time to get a deal done? Oh, I think it's a good time. I think for the next month and a half, it's a good time to, to get a veteran deal done. I think you have to work the people that are available in the pool now against what's available in the draft. And you've got to fill needs. So that's the best way to do it. And most teams now are looking for value type contracts. That's not to say they're not important signings. I think they're really important, but they've got to find them at the right value for them. So yes, I think from a negotiating standpoint, it's a good time. Um, as, a, as I think it will be even after the draft. But right now you have that lure, like you say, Jody, of, hey, I might draft somebody if you don't take this deal. So I do think it's a good, it's a good angle to come at players with. But here's the bottom line is you don't want to pressure them to the point where they don't think they're – if they think they're just a, a, a need fill or a, a pawn in a big scheme, sometimes that factors in negotiating as well. So you've got to be respectful of them and their process – but at the same time, try to make it work for you as well to fill a particular need. I always used that theory of signing a few veteran guys, like you said, at 
I won't say minimum salary, but close to it. Because if you could get them signed beforehand, it sure gives you a option, more options come draft time. You don't have to do anything in the draft to fill a specific need. So it was almost like insurance for us in the draft. Mm -hmm. Hey, if we can get a couple of veterans signed at recent at reasonable prices, we can do anything in the draft, which always lends me back to then we're going to take the highest valued player, which is the goal of, of at least my goal was for, for each round, if we could do it. Right. Randy, you mentioned minimum salaries there. I'm going to go to the other end of the spectrum as a former league executive. Are you surprised at all at the explosion in the wide receiver markets? Uh, Stefan Diggs being the latest, but obviously Demonte Adams, Tyreek Hill. And how does that affect an executive's thinking in that, you know, maybe we want to go more cost effective at this position by going with the younger player in the draft and having this huge financial outlay. We're used to it at quarterback, but I'm a little surprised at how the wide receiver market exploded simply because that's a position that needs a vehicle to get them the football. I mean, so they're dependent on someone else. Does it surprise you at all? Yes. It surprised me a lot. And I'm with you. I think, you get to a certain point with a non-quarterback salary negotiating and, and there comes a choking point for everybody. And I think we've seen that in Kansas city. We, we didn't see it in Buffalo cause they were able to hang on to it, but we saw it in green Bay as well, where teams would rather be able to use that 25 or 30 million in cap space to build out the rest of their team. So it's going to be fascinating to watch how this works out. Cause obviously Miami, the Raiders, they think it's good to have these star receivers and have no problem paying for them. I think where I struggle with, with the concept of paying those non-quarterbacks that amount of money is if let's just say you're paying a guy like Tyreek Hill, 30 million a year. And I don't, don't hold me to those exact yeah. numbers. It depends on what version of the contract you see, but the cap number this year is 15 million. What does that tell you that it's going to be at the end of the deal? I'm no math major. I grew up in Idaho, but <laughs> I think that puts that cap number in the last couple of years at 45 and $50 million. That's crazy. I mean, I don't know how you could have a receiver on your team with a cap number of $45 million. It also tells me that these guys have more information than we do. These guys as in GMs in that they think the cap's going to go way up. Yeah. So they have to be able to forecast uh, with some reasonable assurance that they can stomach a 40, $45 million cap hit for a non-quarterback. That's hard. And I think that'll be interesting part for me to, to, to see it play out is do these contracts become real contracts or are they all really one and two and maybe three year type deals because it's going to be cost, you know, deficient to have that guy long-term. Randy, uh, I don't know if you know this, but my father was a general manager in professional baseball, St. Louis Cardinals, New York Mets, Detroit Tigers. And he once told me one of the toughest things about being a general manager is you have to be able to scout your own scouts Mm -hmm. because you are depending on them for information. And much like a draft, much like a player, not every scout is exactly the same. Some are more... uh, often going to go to hyperbole and describing right. a player and give higher grades and other guys going to be much tougher graders. And Hey, yeah, I know it's only a, but he doesn't give this grade out. Cause he always, right. how difficult was that for you as a general manager, you're leading into the draft. You've got to lean on other people because you're busy running the team. You watch some football game. You're going to watch a lot of tape, but you're not there in the trenches going to talk 
to assistant coaches and the like. So you've got to trust your scouts. How difficult was that? It's absolutely giant. And it's a great question because uh, you have to evaluate the evaluators. <laughs> I mean, and that includes coaches as well. There are some coaches that I've been around that are great evaluators. There are others that are awful. So I'm going to hear them out, but I'm not going to listen to every word or, or, or their track record isn't as good. Scouts are a little bit the same way. You've got to evaluate the information gatherers. You've got to evaluate the guys who really know what they see on film and then can articulate it in a way. I think you're right. Some, some rooms, draft rooms might have a couple, you know, and I'll say carnival barkers, guys that talk loud, guys that get up on the table, but it, it doesn't really back up, you know, uh, it, it, the guy who talks loudest shouldn't be thought of the most in a room. Right. So yeah, it's, it's, it's leading that's leading in leadership in my mind, Jody, is you got to listen to everybody, but you got to know who you listen to about what and when to listen to them. And here's the other thing. Not everybody is good at evaluating, even though they're in that room. And I say that about coaches, but I also say it about scouts too. Some evaluators are really good at evaluating certain positions. And so knowing the room and reading the room is giant. You've got to listen to it all and you've got to come to a consensus. And because one guy talks loud and one guy talks small doesn't mean the emphasis should be on the guy who gets the last word either. So you've got to find the happy medium in the sweet spot of where, let's just say where the Eagles end up as a group on one particular player. So it's, 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 I love that part of the process. I really do. I miss the process itself. And that's a big part of it is knowing and working with the people and all the parts, putting it together. Uh, last one for me, Randy, and and follow Randy on Twitter at Randy Mueller underscore MuellerFootball.com. You got the Football GM pod on the Athletic, Fox Sports Radio, and right here on First 365. We always love it when Randy stops by. You know, I think about, I think you were executive of the year in 2000. So we're in 2022, Randy. And the NFL just came out with its off-season schedule uh, for workouts. And teams with new coaches could start basically last week. Uh, here in Philadelphia, the Eagles have scrapped mandatory minicamp. They're one of two teams with the Cincinnati Bengals. Um, the process that you talk about, and you know, we're not talking just the whole season, the calendar the way it used to be versus right. the way it is today. The NFL, you know, in, a, in its collective bargaining, gave up some things to get more games and more revenue. One was practice time. Can they, Did these guys have the time to prepare properly or have they shifted and sort of said, well, we don't have the time, so let's get everybody to week one as healthy as possible. Have you heard that sort of sentiment around the NFL? Um, I think there's some of that. I think it depends on who you ask and who your coach is on his philosophy and how he feels about offseason. Sometimes I'm good with these rules that, uh, that give players a little bit of a break uh, from their coaches and coaches a little bit of a break from themselves. I, I'm okay with that. I think we've all seen the mental part of the game and mental health enter into it. And I think that you're healthier the less you get grinded down in the offseason. I think the happy medium comes when you're having to be sharp physically but and fresh mentally at the same time. So I think we're, we're still looking to, to find that fine line there. But I think there's a, a, a sentiment around the league that it's okay that we don't have these long drawn out off seasons. Hey, for years, we had one mini camp 
the weekend after the draft. And that's it. That's the only time we saw our players. And that lasted forever. I mean, that was into the 2000s, really. We didn't have all the offseason stuff that's, you know, thrown at these guys right now. So I'm okay with it. Uh, I think you're right, John, in that you need to get players healthy for the first regular season game, especially with 17 weeks now. The seasons are a long grind. And I think getting away is good. And I, like I said, I think it's helped mentally prepare these guys as much as anything. Let them do their own thing if that's what they want to do. Um, I'm a little surprised that the Eagles would eliminate the mandatory weekend or because it's just three days. Um, yeah. I would just like to see our people at some point, bring them into the room. I don't care how much we do with them, but I would like to, from a classroom standpoint, get them sharp on any things we're thinking about um, team-wise, install-wise, that kind of stuff. So there's probably a happy medium with that as well. I don't know if I'd turn them loose for the whole offseason, that's for sure. Randy, last one for me. I need one name. And you've already exhibited the fact that you get mock drafts. They're kind of like buttholes. Everyone has one. <laughs> and you, you, you put the right amount of emphasis on it, put it in proper perspective. I'm sure they, people are asking you to do that and give your evaluation on the players. And you're taking in everybody else's information. There's got to be one guy who, when you're reading other people's drafts, you've got your numbers, you've done your work, you have your evaluation, you go, how the hell is this guy up in the top 10? He wouldn't even be a first round draft pick for me or a guy that is not in the first round. Would you go, damn, I think about taking this guy at seven. How do people not have him in the first round? There's got to be one guy, either positive or negative that you've got an opinion on this year that it seems like most other people don't share that opinion. Who's that player? Well, I would say for me this year, and the quarterbacks are where the fascination is, but I get it. The Malik Willis's of the world, I really struggle with. I, I just don't know how you could look at that film, what he put on film. And this is nothing against him. I'm sure he's a great kid. But I could not see, and I've watched a lot of tape, I couldn't make the connection and connect all the dots of what I saw with him and connect that to being an NFL starting quarterback. I just couldn't. I see the flashes of arm. I see this or that in, in little small snip, snippets, but I just can't, I can't connect those dots. I don't know if that makes sense, Jody. I just can't do it. Okay. So, so that one's a really hard one for me. I mean, I tried to, and I've heard and seen the evaluations. And so I go back and look at more film and I just end up again, shaking my head saying, I can't, I can't take that leap of faith. Sorry. I mean, he may be a great player someday, but I just couldn't do it in this day and age for what we need right now. That's there's not a lot that he does that I, an NFL team is going to ask him to do. Uh, and so that's why I converse and, and compare him with a guy like Kenny Pickett, who does everything already that NFL teams are going to ask him to do. So it's a little easier leap of faith for me. Really great stuff. We appreciate it. Whenever you do come on, we'll get you on again after the draft where you can go. Man, that team just stone it cold, nailed it, or what the hell were the Saints doing on draft day? <laughs> uh, so we appreciate you jumping on before the draft. We're definitely going to get you on again after the draft. Thanks much for joining us today. Thanks, guys. Thanks, Randy. That is Randy Mueller. You got to check out his website, MuellerFootball.com. All right. Maga Mac guys, coming back. You know what we need to do. Put a bow in the show.
Imagine for a moment that you went to work today, and when you came home, you were catastrophically injured. Your life and your family's life. That's what happened to union construction worker Mike Little. I was scared of what the end was going to be, but to be 100% honest with you, I knew I was going to be all right just by talking with Brian. In my heart, I just knew everything was going to be all right. Call the firm and find out why they say, we got this. Call 215-458-2222. At Stateside Vodka, every new customer gets the world's best rocks glass. Free. What's that? Uh, a rocks glass? You're telling me that bottle is cut in half? You could say that. Holy shit. And you're telling me I can get one of these glasses for free? That's right. One free rocks glass per customer with each first-time purchase of Stateside Vodka. So good, it just disappears. Field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. Go for the midnight dares. Go for the memories. Go for the view that goes on forever. Go for the bubbles in your bathtub and in your drink. Go to bed whenever you want. Or don't. Go for him. Go for her. Go for the win. Go to Ocean Casino Resort. Book your trip at theoceanac.com. John McMullen and Johnny McConnell here with Young Birds 365. All right, uh, JM. Running out of time here for today, so we'll get a Thursday get-together tomorrow. Will there be any new Eagle news by the time we get back? we got 22 hours till we kick off another episode of Birds 365. Will the Eagles do anything in the next 22 hours? I tried to paint a scenario where how he could use the fact that the draft is coming up, because it's all 32 general managers, but we care more about Howie than anybody else. Is there a move out there? Are they going to shock us and add another defensive end? I'll probably answer the same exact question at the end of tomorrow's show before we get into the weekend. Any chance Eagles are going to do anything? You hear any rumblings? Um, Signing-wise, no. I don't think they're going to do anything. I think the players left. Uh, I I guess the the biggest one out there would be uh, Tyron Mathau, who, who – uh, visited the Saints, ironically, yesterday from New Orleans. So maybe that makes some sense. I, You know, I know Indianapolis has some interest in him. I, I think the Eagles would have some interest, but only if the price comes down, only if it's one year. for. Um, so I think that's got some time to tick off before he makes a decision. Um, you know, corner, I still think, you know, Maybe Steven Nelson makes his decision a little bit earlier this year than he did last year. So there's always a chance, but if you're putting a percentage on it, I'm going to go well under 10% today. Yeah. We're in, we're in wait. We're in, 
LSU Pro Day today. We're in draft mode. We're in pre pre draft mode. Is Stingley working today? Do you know? I don't know. Um, yeah. but I know they're having their pro day because all 32 teams are there. So right. I don't know if he's specifically because he had the uh, Liz Frank injury, I think it was with Stingley. Um, I'm not sure, but you know, LSU, even though wasn't, you know, one of their top tier seasons, there's always a lot of talent there. I got to get my brother-in-law to go over and maybe videotape some stuff for me. I got uh, family that live in Baton Rouge. Just a, a Baton while. Rouge, as I like to call it, Red Stick, Louisiana. There you go. And uh, he lives a mile and change away from uh, the stadium. So if he can take an hour off, and do me a favor, go tape some LSU guys for me and send it up. We can use it here on Birds 365. Well, we used both Jimmy Kempsey and Randy Mueller tonight. Little did I know, yes, we use them whenever <laughs> we can because they – Give us information yeah. that uh, we need here. And you guys need here when you tune in to us. Thank you for doing so today. We will do it again tomorrow. 22 now, hours from now. You up for it, Johnny Mac? Let's do it, Jody. See you back here in two and Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional grade industrial supplies. Count on real time product availability and fast delivery. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.